Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we stumble through the MCU by watching one Marvel Studios film each week until we reach the mega epic blockbuster that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Billy and I'll be your host this week as we look at Ant-Man. As always, joining me is my co-host, Christoph. Hey! Hello what? friend, long time hey. no see. Yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, thanks to Podcast Magic. Uh, you wouldn't have known, but I've been away for about three weeks. Yes, over and so we recorded three episodes in advance. That was a that was a rough week trying to cram them in. I've crammed a few things in. I was yeah, time. I was just waiting for what for you to go there with a sexual joke, but yeah, look good to be back, Billy. Well, it depends on anyway. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, yes, welcome back. Thank you. Now you showed me something today that I can't unsee. Yes, I posted it on my Facebook. There is this photo of Stan Lee Stan lying Lee. down on a couch, naked, but covering his junk with an issue of Hulk versus the Batman, like a giant-sized copy. What a... I like how I like how he he felt felt like he was like in. a giant sized copy. Yeah, I zoomed in so to find to the look. to find the cover yeah. of the comic. Man, what, like I want to know why that photo exists. Like, at what point was someone well, like, "Hey, Stan, can you take your yeah. clothes off and stick your dick in a Marvel comic?" Well, apparently, it's. Um, have you read the Untold Tale of Marvel Comics? It's a book. Is that the con? No, oh no, yes, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Yeah. So it's in that. I haven't had a chance to read it. I've owned it for a while, but that's that's my problem. As most with book people, you buy things and you don't read them. Yeah, you have like a bookshelf full of books, but no time. Yes. Um, yeah, so apparently back in the day, they were just doing crazy shit. Like people were dressing up... What do you mean by as, crazy shit? People were dressing up as like, you know, heroes. Yeah, no, well, it's interesting. I feel like you're not answering the question. Wait, do you reckon they were just coked out? No, I don't know about coked out. Or what? Or was it? Was this like when Marvel was like in financial trouble and they were trying whatever they could to keep it afloat? No, that, no, I'm talking. I think this is like the '60s. Oh, okay, yeah, because the photo was in black and white. Fortunately, yes, I don't want any more. I don't want any more detail. Really? You sure no. you don't? No. Okay. Nineteen eighty-three. The eight. Okay, so it was it was 80s. in the '80s. Yeah, but the editorial staff was at the peak of its yuck yuck hand buzzer giddiness. Uh, what is that? Shoot, that they'd that, been shooting photos that of means each other. nothing. They'd been shooting photos of each other in superhero costumes for some of the covers. Several staff members appeared on the cover of the latest issue of Spider Woman, and now they were putting together a comic that consists wholly of photo of inter intra office hijinks. They wanted to include Stan the Man Lee, the original ringmaster. And he jumped at the chance to pose for a nude centerfold. Marvel staff he jumped at the chance. Yeah, he Marvel, wanted this. Marvel staff was photographed Lee with an oversized comic covering his private parts. Soon after, they received a call from his assistant in in LA. Stan is wild, said the assistant. He should not have been naked for your centerfold. Please don't. A Hulk costume was later superimposed over Lee's body in post-production. Wow, okay. Yes. Uh, got a few questions. The yes. first was, do you think that he had underwear on, or he went? Oh, he was full naked. Hulk. He was naked. You reckon? Full uncut realness. No, wait, no, full cut realness. Because here's the thing, I may be speaking from personal experience. It's very easy to make it look like you're naked when you just like wear underwear. You cover it up. No. Like with like a. He didn't have flesh underwear that they use in movies. 
Mm. Or the flesh sleeve, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like he was naked. Why? Naked and also, what, he was born. what do you think happened to that comic? Do you think they burnt it, or does some nerd own it now? And is it like what, like graded and worth a whole bunch of money? Sit in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love grossing you out. It's it's very easy. I'm a prudish man. Yeah. So I whatever. I I think you I'm act a prude, but you're clearly the devil. So, look, I think I'm going to have to retract my statement about Stan Lee should be seen and not heard and say they should be neither after, after that monstrosity. Oh, like, he jumped at the chance. He was keen. I he was know. waiting we, for an opportunity. We might have a di- disagreement about um, our Stan watch for this movie really? and next week's episode as well. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm keen because I was a big fan of this week's Stan cameo for a, very, very, a reason that you've probably already figured out. You don't hear him. Yeah, yeah, yes. But we'll get into that a little bit yeah. later. Um, so yeah, this week we are discussing Ant Man. Yeah, uh, the Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd making his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm just going to put it out there. I love Paul Rudd. He is a dreamboat. You say that like it's a controversial statement. He's no, got to be the most likable actor. I just want to be. Yeah, I just want to love Paul Rudd and be loved by Paul Rudd. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have any follow ups. I, I have a major He's a babe. Gri- I have a, I agree, and I have a major gripe with my wife that she doesn't think that Paul Rudd's an attractive man, and it really what cuts me to my wrong with your wife? You must have well, a lot. Now. Wow, the the look of the look of sternness that overcame your eyes. Yeah, I think he's. <sighs> I think Paul Rudd is an absolute delight. Yes, yes, he is. And we get and we get a bit of scruffy Rudd in this film. Yes, and that. Tickled my fancy quite a lot. Well, look, why do we do we want to do we want to cut to the trailer? All right, let's let's cut to the trailer before your fancy gets any more tickled. Oh, it's already been tickled. Mind the puddle. Imagine a soldier the size of an insect, the ultimate secret weapon. If you give godlike powers to everyone. It's going to be chaos. So how do we stop him? I know a guy. Scott, I've been watching you for a while. You're different. And I believe everyone deserves a shot at redemption. Do you? Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. Makes sense. Are you ready to become a hero? Now, this suit has power. You have to learn how to control it. And these are your greatest allies. You're kind of cute. Whoa. When you're small, you have superhuman strength. You like a bullet. So you need to know how to punch. You wanna show me how to punch? Show me how to punch. That's how you punch. You tried to hide your suit from me. Now, it's gonna blow up in your face and destroy everyone you care about. Scott, get out of there. Do you think you could stop the future? You're just a thief. No, I'm Ant-Man. I know. 
Wasn't my idea. the trailer for Ant-Man. Uh, now, let's talk um, about just the the time when the movie came out. So the movie was released uh, July 17th, uh, 2015. Yeah, so of course it was the second Marvel film to come out that year, I believe, along with yes. Avengers 2, which we discussed last week. Yes, Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, it's directed by Peyton Reed. Is it Peyton or Peyton? Peyton, I think. Now, yeah. Billy, are you familiar with... Had you heard of him or familiar with his work before he was attached yes, to Yes, I am. Really? I love Bring It On. Wait, he was the guy who directed Bring It On? Yes, he was the director of Bring It On. And also, I don't mind his other film, Down With Love. Down With Love, okay. From 2003. Um, he did the... Um, he also directed Break, The Breakup, which is... It's a what tough a, slog of a film. What a weird dis- discography uh, in terms of like. He also this directed film. Yes Man, which I can't yes. remember if I've seen. I'm, I'm actually on his IMDb now, and I actually which really like. Which I really like Yes, yes Man. Man. So it's a Jim Carrey film where Jim Carrey decides he's going to say yes to everything. Uh, yes, it's a later. Yes, yes, it's yes, a later yes. Carrey film, and it's it's serious brooding Carrey. Is it before he did the horror film? I can't remember what it was. Number yeah. twenty three or number twenty eight. Oh, the number twenty three. I thought that was more of a thriller than a horror. And that was definitely Depends, definitely depending, after. Yeah. I would say maybe like three or four years after that. Okay. So yeah, look, it was directed by Peyton Reed, who is now going to be directing the Ant-Man second and Wasp. Yeah. Wasp as well, which it's, is which is cool. You know what's interesting is that he seems on. It, he seems like a weird pick for Ant Man because he doesn't really have any action chops yet. I guess it makes sense because the comedy in this film is really fucking good. Yeah, and look, I feel like if they keep it to. To the similar sort of vein as this film. Oh, with the sequel. Yeah. Mm. Now we have to talk about the the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room, uh, which now, is that puddle Billy left, but also the fact that Edgar Wright was. Yeah. So, so Ed, yeah. Edgar, didn't Edgar Wright sort of champion this film for ages? So Edgar Wright um, has been trying to make an Ant Man film with Joe Cornish, who is his. Um, regular, I think, collaborator, mm-hmm. um, since 2006. Now... 2006? I'm just trying to think of what uh, what Edgar Wright film came out about then. That would have been well, Hot Fuzz. Yeah, uh, probably, yeah, just before Hot Fuzz. But what came out um, Marvel-wise? Nothing. 2006, no. We, two years later, we got Iron Man. Yeah. So even so, before Marvel was a thing, he wanted to... The Marvel I Cinematic Universe Yeah, I think that's when Marvel was putting out on the feelers for all their films to tackle the oh, Marvel really? Cinematic Universe. Well, they've been starting for a little while. Yeah, but do you really think in that first run of feelers they'd be like, all right, we need an Ant-Man film? I mean, the film depends itself... On, depends on if they were going down the route of, like, the core Avengers crew. Because oh. in the comics, Ant-Man... Yeah, um, he's one of the founders of the Avengers. Yes. But, I mean, in terms of, like, cinematic, I guess, appeal and sort of... Uh, I mean, shrinking is very potentially very hard to bring to a screen without it looking goofy. True. Um, but so it, it would I, just seem like a weird pick for that first wrong. I think when they brought him in, it was a good time to well, bring him in. As we know, I feel like 
Iron Man was a test subject, so... For sure. Yeah. Um, but, however, on the 23rd of May, Wright and Marvel issued a joint statement that Wright would be exiting the movie due to creative differences. Mm. Um, so, according to Wright, he's he was hired as a writer-director, mm-hmm. but became unhappy when Marvel wanted to write a new script. Um, in 2017, so after the film came out, he said, the most diplomatic answer is, I wanted to make a Marvel movie, but I don't think they really wanted to make an Edgar Wright movie. Having written all my other movies, that's a tough thing to move forward. Suddenly becoming a director for hire on it, you're sort of less emotionally invested and you start to wonder why you're really there. So then, yeah. And then he was replaced by Peyton Reed. um, Who sort of felt, when he came on, felt like a gun for hire. Yeah, Peyton Reed that did that. Initially, he was very much of the. I didn't want to come here, like um, he didn't want to come up here and just like you know, be thrust and given like a shit film to write. But then like he realized, look, they wanted to keep the main vein of the stuff that Edgar Wright had planted, but keep it more in line with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, sort of shifted along. Yeah, and I read another statement. Um, uh, Evangeline Lilly yeah. uh, who plays Hope Van Dyne she said look she read both scripts the revised and the original and she said both are fantastic except the Edgar Wright script was very much something that would suit Edgar Wright's movie universe not a Marvel universe and if they had actually made Edgar Wright's movie it would have stuck out like a sore thumb yeah, Which that's I interesting. Care. Well, I think, because if you look at the Marvel movies we've had at this point, uh, I mean, look, we had Guardians, and yeah. some pe- I know a lot of people like to act like Guardians was different, and I, I know it has it's a word, the James Gunn film, but it's, it's a very much yeah. a Marvel film, and that's why it works, because it's not yeah. a James Gunn film. Well, this is the thing, this is sort of similar to Black Panther in that it's very much a... It's its own film with some ties to stuff, in that, mm. like... So in Black Panther, we saw the tie with... Uh, what's his name? Well, he's dealing with the aftermath of Avengers Civil War for Avengers starters. Civil War. Uh, um, Bucky. Oh, uh, Everett Ross. Everett Ross. Um, and Claw. You'll see And Claw. Claw. They're, sort of the, they're the links to the wider universe. Yeah, and then sort of like with this, the links to the wider universe is more... They mention... Avengers Age of Ultron in that like that's a, in a very dis, in a very dismissive way which I liked I didn't mind that I think it played into the whole idea of sort of uh, Hank Pym is sort of almost too too up himself to be part of like the Avengers anymore well and sort of but like he was oh he never really well I mean you he quit shield he like he punched the guy and quit shield he quit shield because he didn't want people to take his formula he wanted to be the only one to use yeah, it yeah but he sort of has a superiority conflict which we'll, yeah. we can talk about a little later yeah but so I feel like we were maybe blessed that they they took Peyton on uh, take Peyton on and Edgar Wright and Marvel mm. decided to end relationship I feel like it might have been a good thing yeah look and I, I really enjoyed the film and then look Edgar Wright has gone on to make his highest film Baby, are we talking about Baby Driver? Yeah, and I Which, talked to... Have you, uh, have you seen Baby Driver? I have seen Baby Driver. I wasn't Driver. a fan. I liked parts of it, but then I thought about it more afterwards, and I think I didn't enjoy it as much as I initially the, did. It's mm. weird. Because usually when you watch it a second time, that's when you figure out... That's when you dive in deep, right? Yeah, but then it was more like I was diving deep 
by talking about the film with someone else. I, think I was talking with a, um, Stu, who? who's a friend of, friend of the show and part of Geek of Oz. Um, we both, were, I think, were in the camp of, like, it's a good film, but not, oh, my God, it's amazing. I, and I think, for me personally, what I found was, like, the whole because Edgar Wright talks about like he always had this idea of a music driven heist film, yeah. But the film's nothing more than that. There's no theme, there's no teeth there, yeah. There's oh. nothing you can seek into except for some interesting action. And I wonder how much of the heist film that's in the original script for Ant Man is kind of all in this particular script for the um, Baby Driver. Interesting, like, oh, if you, if you took anything across, yeah, a lot of the ideas Maybe. that he wanted. Yeah, because it's maybe. a bigger crew in Baby Driver. Yeah, it is. And there were a lot of characters or people that were going to be part of the original script. Of really? Cut, I think. I, I look. I think this cast had like I wouldn't. I think the cast was hit the right amount. It felt big enough. Yeah. But any more, it would have felt too big. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so I wanted to talk about as per usual. So the budget and box office. Yeah, let's so do the, the numbers. Budget was one hundred and forty-two million. Okay, so that's less than I less than the first Iron Man film. Yeah, and it made five hundred and nineteen million. Okay, so I from memory that's comparable to the first Iron yeah. Man film. But did so for a not well known character in the public eye, it did yeah, reasonably it well. It did reasonably well. And remember, Billy, that at the time people were saying were thinking this could be the first Marvel flop. Yeah, and it actually, like people were like, oh, like kind of his shit, and it's like no, but this is, but this is when. Sort of, you noticed Marvel were doing, um, they're getting themed here, right? films as well. It's like you know, oh, like leaning into that thing you said about how every film was a superhero film plus another genre, and yeah. you think they're leaning into this. Well, this was clearly a heist film. Like it had an yeah, ocean, it was more or less. It had an Ocean's Eleven style feel. Yeah, I it's would... not in the va- in same. I wouldn't league heist film wise as Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, I think I mean the compromise you make with all these films is because they're being two films. The second film they're being is never as good as no, no, a pure film of that genre. One. Um, so yeah, uh, the screenplay was as per usual written by as we sorry as we discussed Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Um, Joe Cornish has done like the Adventures of Tintin, the Secret of the Unicorn. I, yes, was that the feature film? That was the feature film. Yeah, yeah the I animated ended one. Up watching that. Yeah, well, look, it was a decent action movie. I, it wasn't. A, it wasn't like mind blowing, but it yeah. had a lot of the action was handled well. Okay, um, and Attack the Block, which I still haven't seen. Okay, yes, I'm. Was Edgar Wright involved in Attack the Block? I think he might have helped out. Been like a, I know Nick Frost was. Yeah, um, Adam. Another person that helped out on the script was Adam McKay. Um, he's the one who who came on afterwards. Um, when it was Peyton Reed himself and Paul Rudd. So, like, I think um, Adam... Sorry, my mind's a blank. Um, Adam McKay came on more to make sure to help out with the humour, I think, a bit. Interesting. Um, And he's behind some some amazing films like Anchorman. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's something. Step Brothers, like, um, Tim a, and Eric's billion dollar film. That's a very impressive resume in terms of like comedy because yeah. all the well, I know like uh, Anchorman and Step Brothers are both like highly revered as some of the highlight highlights of um yeah of, what's of Will Ferrell's career. He worked on it. Uh, he worked on SNL, so I feel like he might have been like 
a writing partner of Paul Rudd as well, because Paul Rudd did a lot of writing, has done a lot of comedy writing. Mm. I mean, what, his early strength of comedy as well. I think he was on SNL for a little bit. Was he? I might be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite but, sure. But, um, uh, yeah, Paul Rudd got a writing credit for this as well, so he helped him. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. I'm. Re- I don't want to talk about it too much now, but I'm keen to talk to with you when we go into pickups about the comedy in this film because I think it's really remarkable. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, and as per usual, we look. We talk about all the Rotten Tomatoes. Um. Just as a general premise, like the it got an. It's 82%. not infallible, but it's a good yeah. metric. I mean, nowadays, Rotten Tomatoes isn't as reliable re- re- reliable or regarded, given that people can hack it or organize a group. Um, sort of flaming of a film by yeah and by hack we mean like organi- like a whole bunch of people organised to downvote something yeah. basically but I mean if you go into Rotten Tomatoes you can if you drill down into a film you can find literally a section and focus on just stuff um, written by critics okay so which is a more which accurate is, measure yeah, which is a more accurate measure so how, how did Ant-Man do? so Ant-Man got 82% which, Which is pretty good. Is that pretty good? Is that in line with a lot of the other Marvel films? Yeah, I mean some of the mid, mid tier ones. Okay, hmm. I think. Look, I personally think Ant Man is upper mid tier. Oh yeah, 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 it's in my top ten. I don't remember off the top of my head whereabouts it is, but as I mentioned to you, I think as we've been trying to organise to catch up for this, my my grouping while watching. For this podcast, my movies changed have quite, changed yeah. a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the start of the thing, Iron Man two fell out of favour with both of us. Yes. Given its terrible depiction of women. Well, do we want to jump into um into pickups now, Billy? Yeah, sure. Okay, so pickups is the section where we like to pick apart the film and talk about individual things that we like, enjoy, or noticed on a rewatch. Yeah. Sometimes you know we've watched this film two, three, four times. Other times, how many times have you seen Ant Man? So for Ant Man, for me, it's three. What about you? Yeah, three for me, which is weird because like I really enjoy this film, and I've mentioned to you before, like there are some films where I absolutely love them, but I've only seen them like a handful of times. Like The Prestige, I've seen that maybe twice, but it's one of my favorite films. Uh, whereas, you know, a popcorn film, I watch multiple times. Yeah, I I think it's for me, I. I often have the same thing. There's a couple of films which I sort of hold on a pedestal and revere, and I've only seen them once or twice. And it's mm. films that rely on like a twist. Yeah, I think with Ant Man, it follows the uh, one of the the tropes of the heist genre, which is sort of halfway or whatever through the heist. Obviously, things go wrong and things don't go according to plan. Yeah, and I think the the twist and how how everything goes haywire, and then how the heroes recover. Is such a big part of heist movies that I think it makes it a little, them potentially a little bit hard to rewatch. Yeah. And with on this watch, I had the benefit that I'd forgotten what the twist was, uh, and I'd kind of forgotten what happened, so I was able to enjoy it again. Whereas heist films, I don't mind rewatching. Really? Them. Yeah, I like because it's the adrenaline and like you know they're going to get away with it, but how? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like you know a film like Hackers, I will watch more than at least once or twice a year because it's an amazing Why? film. It's an amazing piece of cinema. Uh, I'm look. We'll, we'll, we'll it learn. is on my. If you're stuck on a deserted island, a list of movies. It is on my list of okay. movies. Okay. So I assume that the desert island has a DVD player. Yes. Okay. Good to know. Don't. 
poke holes in my okay, argument. Okay, in your, in your I will hurt weird you. argument. All right, well, look, shall we get into pickups? What yeah, you... let's talk. So you, let's start off with you. What What's one pickup that you want to discuss? Well, I'd love to talk about the cast in this film. Because uh, I, I think, know. I mean, a lot of the Marvel films have impressive casts, and yes. Ant-Man is no exception. Yeah, no, Um. it's, yeah, it's got some really cool... Like I mean, obviously it's got Paul Rudd, sweet sweet Rudd, yes, sweet sweet Rudd playing Scott Lang. So not the original Ant Man. So in the Marvel comics, there's three Ant Mans. There's Ant-Man. Hank Pym, Ants Men, Ants Men. Uh, there's Hank Pym, Scott mm-hmm. Lang, and I've forgotten the other one, the third one. Who, I wasn't aware that there was a Craig something. Is he the one who's irredeemable Ant Man? Yes. Okay, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure, but my but I think he was like an agent of Shield who gets yeah, access a, to the. Ant-Man. Yeah, he was like a dodgy agent of Shield, and like he, the loser who somehow got into Shield, but didn't, and is also doing the. We'll take a bribe and then get someone else laid off for it. And I think, and I, if I remember correctly, there was like a like one or two pages where he just uses the Ant Man suit to like perv on Captain Marvel who at that point was Miss Marvel in the shower so that gives you an idea of the sort of caliber yes. of the person he is yeah um, but well there's a character in this that's in that series as well Eric really? O'Grady is the name Eric O'Grady is the okay. name of the Irredeemable Boy Ant-Man has he gone on to be Ant-Man after that he's series? Ant-Man now really yeah okay interesting um, so yeah, and then we've got Evangeline uh, Lilly as Hope Van Dyne, yeah, which who, was interesting. Which I'm trying to think, has she been? What a, has she been in many big films? I know her from Lost, right? But I yeah, can't look, think of I, anything else. I think this is one of her. Um, I don't know more breakout roles. It I feels like good. it. I liked her in it. She was great. Yeah, I I felt she was very good. Yeah, um, and it was got, it was interesting that they went with. Um, Hope Van Dyne though because everyone not many people were going to not many people realize, were trying to figure out how they were going to go if it was going to be Hank Pym and then it was said Hank Pym isn't isn't going to be the Ant-Man in the film which I, I like that they went with Hope Van Dyne yeah I I do too I uh, and I, I think the way they sort of picked bits of the, the Ant-Man sort of mythos that they wanted to use and, and changed other bits I think it was really clever mm. and I think it speaks to the strength of the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is when they sort of streamline uh, streamline complex comic book continuity in a way that's easy easy to, to pick up and pick up on yeah it, I like how in this there's like a a weird mentor pupil thing going on a passing of the torch between Michael Douglas kind of. and Scott Lang I'd love to talk about that a little bit later because that I I mean, he is the Marvel Universe's, I believe, one first, of the first. first legacy Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, after sorry. Cap, after Cap, first, first legacy heroes. Yeah. Oh, but, but Cap doesn't pass down the shield in the Cinematic Universe. I'm just speaking in terms of oh, Cinematic yeah, Universe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think he was. I think he was out. I think he was. Sort of after Cap went into the ice. Oh, in the comics? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. In the movie Cinematic Universe. Oh, sorry. Of when Ant-Man, yeah. yeah. Um, became Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, and then we've got... Well, Michael... Is it Michael Douglas who plays Hank Pym? Yeah. I mean, I, he's a I big... I like him. I, well, I mean, I've always liked Michael Douglas in a lot of his roles. I really enjoyed him in this. Yeah, he has a he has a strange, a weird mix of like he can both be incredibly warm and then just switch it off and suddenly become very ice cold. Oh yeah, and but it, oh, it always feels organic, which I think is a, a real a real skill. When he's ice cold in this, it just reminds me of some of the part, some of the previous um, films he's in where he's ice cold, like like Basic Instinct, for example. It's like, whoa. 
Yeah, he really has a, a gravitas to him. Uh, mm. Someone else who stood out for me was Michael Penner, who plays Luis. Yes. Who uh, does is one of my favourite comedy tropes, which is it's sort of when it's like the 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 person who you think is sort of low class uh, thug who happens to be very sort of like into highfalutin hobbies yeah. and high high culture. He's gone on to do a few things since. Well, he was in the film Chips. He was one yeah. of the stars of that. Well, not that that film did particularly well, but yeah, he was a leading man. Yeah, he's getting more leading roles, and I think I think he got some leading roles on TV as well. Oh, I know that a lot of people really liked the character of Lewis, Lewis, and I think he really sort of uh, he definitely adds a lot to the film. Mm. Um, we've got yeah, who, who else on board um, in this film? Bobby Cannavale as Paxton, which is um, oh yes, uh, he's engaged to Scott Lang's former wife uh, Maggie. Who is played by... Oh, what's the name of the actress? Because um, she, of course, is in Arrested Development and also Archer. She, it's Judy Greer. She yes, she's Judy the best. Judy Greer is the best. She's just... She has that weird, dark sense of humour. Mm. But feel she like, looks normal. That's why it's so funny. Yeah, she, like, and I feel it? like everyone that's involved with Archer has a dark sense of humour and it's amazing. Yeah. You know what's weird to me is that they got Judy Greer to be essentially a straight woman. Like she's not she's not funny. Like she's not a kooky character, which is like oh oh this. in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were I thought you were calling um what's her name uh God the character she plays on um Archer. Oh yeah, the straight woman. I'm no, like, no. I'm like I <laughs> she's on acid twenty four seven. I'm like why would you get her just to play a generic a, a generic ex wife? Like she has so much more range. But anyway. I've seen her do serious roles before. Well, and she played a similar role in Jurassic World as well. Yeah. She's like a good, just, she seems to be good at just like generic mum. Yeah. All right. Uh, look, shall we go to another, shall we go to another pickup? I feel like we've come to cast people. Yeah. Well. All right. So you wanted to talk about, um, this is one of your pickups because you wanted to talk about how you weren't a huge fan of, um, Yellow Jacket in this film. Yeah. Well, and by Darren Yellow Cross. Yeah, Darren like, Cross. Uh, played by Corey Stoll. Yeah, I was also. I, l- very, I, l- very, I actually liked Corey Stoll in The Strain. Yeah. In this, I thought he did okay with what he was given. I think what he was given was rubbish. He. Uh, I've mentioned to this off, off mic. He reminded me of. You've mentioned he reminded you of like, He's generic gonna, tech villain. Or generic yeah. business villain. There's n- yeah, he does it like he wants money. He'll do whatever it takes to get it. There's nothing interesting or nuanced about that. Yeah, it's like he was. I don't know. For me, it was like he was a combination of Justin Hammer mm-hmm. and um, what's of course his name? Pa- played uh, by oh what's no now I forgot his name now I try and bring up Sam um, Sam what's his name Yeah um, and. Uh, what's his name from the first Iron Man film? Oh, uh, oh the, we're, we're terrible at names today. But yes, Obadiah Stane played, Obadiah Stane. Yeah, who so played felt, the dude. Yeah, so I felt Jeff like, Bridges, there Jeff we Bridges. go. So I felt like it was a combination of those two, but less of the Justin Hammer schmaltiness. I, honestly... Because he did have he some sort this, of slight charisma-ish. Yeah, but he had a warmth to him, but so did Obadiah. Like, he was just, to me, a shitty Obadiah Stane. Okay. He, there was no new. There was just no nuance to him. I know, but you wouldn't see Obadiah. Oh wait, you wouldn't see Obadiah Stane just blatantly. Kill okay, I love that. I did not like that. Because, really? Yeah, because being like a being a corrupt sort of like a CEO who's just 
unethical is one thing, but killing a guy, that's another. And it seemed yeah, like... Yeah, but you could tell that he's being... He's unhinged. But there was the... the he could have done something else unhinged first before he freaking killed a guy. I found that hilarious, though. Come on. Okay. Killing your underling for questioning you and then wiping him up and putting him in the toilet. That's Okay, just... I want to... I want to ask you. Here's a a uh, flaw that is logic. very like Skeletor's type. Oh my villain. goodness! Really, Skeletor's who you put on the pedestal is like the best villain. One of the better villains. Yes. Anyway, um, okay. What annoyed what an- annoyed me about that particular scene is Marvel does this. Well, I feel like all superhero films do this thing where they fetishize a certain type of technology. So in like the Iron Man films, everyone wants an Iron Man suit, and in this film, everyone wants shrinking technology that works. Yeah. But like. Corey Stoll's character has a gun that kills anyone and turns him into like a giant puddle, like no. a, a, a little bit of a little bit of goo. No, 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 that wasn't the, that was a shrinking rat. Yeah, that was a mouth, but it was essentially a gun that could kill anyone instantly and turn them into like a little little. But yeah, he wasn't bit sure of me. If he was no. But the thing is, I think he tried yeah. to shrink him, but it's because the, the, then he goes, "Oh, we still haven't worked the bugs out." No, but I'm, I think that was him making a joke. I think he knew. No, it was I, kill I the actually guy. feel that like it was him. Not having worked out the bugs yet. Look, my point is that malfunctioning shrinking ray is like a better weapon. Just mass produce that. Yeah. But yeah, look, I had, I had, I think this movie just absolutely personifies and, and encapsulates Marvel's villain problem. It's not unique to this film by any means, but this film just the the character could have been anyone, and it, like he almost didn't need to exist. Almost. Well, no, he did for the story. He needed to be there. God, look. I, yeah, I just I did like the okay. What did you think of the yellow jacket suit? I liked the design. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good design. Yeah. So I, in the comics, essentially, yellow jacket Hank, is one of Hank's um, alter egos. So essentially, there comes a point in the comics where Hank Pym snaps, and he becomes this person, yellow jacket. But it's like he has this, Hank Pym has a split personality, and he becomes that other personality, the yellow jacket. And he even thinks... He's constantly in costume and everything. And he thinks Hank Pym is a dickhead. Like, he's constantly Yellow Jacket. I feel like it was a pretty cool... Like, Marvel Cinematic Universe rendition of the Yellow Jacket outfit. Yeah, I, look, I think it's classic... A classic case of them doing the thing where they, the villain's the, an evil version of the good guy. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think, they, I think they did it as good as they could. I think the Yellow Jacket suit looks good. I liked the fact... The one thing Marvel does do well when it's uh, the villain's an evil version of the hero is they make the villain stronger so that the hero has to do something heroic or that shows their character when they beat him. So yeah, like in this case, in, in, in this instance, he's got laser weapons. And can fly, whereas yeah. like they mentioned that the Ant-Man suit doesn't have any weapons. It's no. just a shrinking suit. Yeah, which is... I like that. It, you know, it's interesting. Like, I'm going to throw a Thomas the Tank Engine at you. Yeah, that, that, that ending fight scene was very, very nice. nice. Oh, I want to talk about the, um, I guess, the training, the, the montage. The training montage, yeah, let's Which get into then it. led to the final training sequence at the Avengers compound as well. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great scene and a good, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'd forgotten about yeah, it. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if any, everything they talked about in regards to the ants is true. Like, oh, it's like are. factually true. Yeah, factually true. In a movie about a shrinking man, like, does it really matter? No, but I did like, like the shrinking and the, with the ants and everything. It reminded me a bit of like you know, I know it's, it's a similar film, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, mm. but like that whole creature 
aspect, like the, you know, the mechanical tr- creature stuff. I thought that was really cool. It was interesting. And I liked the whole training montage. It was a, it was a more unique training montage compared to the rest of the Marvel films. Mm. I, I think what I liked about that training montage is that compared to some of the other characters, Ant-Man sort of powers are, are twofold. There's a shrinking... And then and there's the ant control. Yeah. And I think in the montage they made it very they sort of showed you here's what we can do with the shrinking, here's why it's a cool power. Because mm. a shrinking doesn't necessarily seem like a cool power. Yeah. And same with the like controlling ants could be potentially lame, but instead they're like, here's why it's cool, here's how it's useful, here's some of the interesting ways we're gonna use ants. And I like how they explained the whole even though you're that size, you still have your same strength. Yes. Which and density. Really cool. Yeah. yeah, which I think make sort of uh, makes the shrinking thing so much cooler rather than just, oh, he's a tiny man. Yes. And I mean, how good's jumping through the keyhole? Yes, very I, good. I love the fluidity that they bring to the shrinking. Mm. I think that was a really wise choice. I, I like the whole... They only do it in some parts, the whole shrinking, and it actually is very old-school yes. 80s, how it's like, it shows him going... It's very quick. It's almost mm. like a silhouette, like him... An outline of him going smaller, yes. smaller, smaller. Which, again, brilliant. It reminded me a little bit of the Hulk. I think there was a bit where, like, the Hulk gets bigger and mm. becomes the Hulk. I know there's certainly Hulk covers that do that, where it shows, like, the transformation. Yeah. Which, I, um, yeah, it was very cool. Um, but, yes, then, you know, there was the uh, attempt on the Avengers compound to steal something. Yeah. Well, I really liked that. It was funny. Yeah, it's, look, I think it's a good... It, it's a good scene. It was nice to see, like, Scott Lang, sort of a person who comes across as an underdog, yeah. win. Like, basically go up against the Avengers and win. And it was... I really enjoy Anthony Mackie as um, Sam Wilson. You know what? I'm enjoying him less and less, and the reason for that is this could just be the characterization. but I think initially when we first met Sam Wilson, he was sort of... He felt very grounded and not, and not super cocky, and he's just become cockier and more, like... More, yeah, more but, smart mouth, I and I, I just we've I got like enough. That. Su- I, I like that in this one. I feel like there's enough superheroes that I like that. I like that he was sort of like the soldier who is only doing this not for thrills or because he enjoys no, it, but no. because he's helping Cap. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's helping Cap, and I mean, that we got to. He's at the Avengers compound because you know he's training to be an Avenger because Cap wants him to be there. Yeah. Look, I, I know. Look, I still, yeah, I enjoyed this fight scene. Mm. Um, I just don't like that this is sort of the beginning of of cocky, mouthy, uh, mouthy um, Falcon. What did you think of the beginning with um, Old School Shield? Yeah, I. You know and, what? Um, I think John Slattery is back as older. That's right, old Anthony Starr, mm. which is cool. And then they aged Hallie Atwell. Yes, to sort of and. I think, as always, Hayley Hour looked stunning. What did you think? Because you weren't a huge fan of really old... Oh, yes, that's right. ...with I re- CGI. Right. What did you think of her in this? No, I don't think... When she was really old, was that CGI? Or I thought it was prosthetics. I think, yeah, I think it was a bit of prosthetics and CGI. Okay. Look, I think she barely gets any... Like, we don't actually see her that off, that much in this scene. Mm. So I thought it was fine. For the brief glimpses we see of her, it looked fine. Okay. I, I did like... Um, although Hank Pym is like, yeah, to the face. I, you know what I, I thought was cool about this is they sort of set up two sort of Marvel Universe family dynasties, the Starks and the Pyms. Yeah, and they sort of made it clear that the Pym, like Hank Pym, does not trust 
really anyone, and especially Tony, and especially Howard Stark. Yeah, exactly, and even Tony now. Yeah, which is of course touched on in in Civil War, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah, but also even in this is like he's he mentions like oh. You know, um, Scott Lang goes, why don't you get the Avengers? It's like, oh, they're too busy dropping a building. Yeah, like... Dropping a city down on below. Almost, almost like, like, they're, 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 they're kids playing in the mud. We're doing, yeah, like, it's, a serious business. Yeah, it's almost like using a cleaver instead of a scalpel. Yeah. And I, I do... I really like that about this portrayal of Hank Pym. I think they tone down his... Me- sort of the fact that he's mentally unstable. Mm. Uh, but I like that they still he still had a coldness about him, and for a lot of the film, he wasn't a particularly pleasant person. Yeah, and the, I mean, you find out in this film, like, because when he finally reveals to Janet, oh, sorry, not Hope, yeah, Hope Van Dyne, that his mother didn't die. That, sorry, Janet's mother. You, yeah, as a Hope's mother. Sorry, Hope's mother, Janet, didn't die in a plane crash. It was more she went on a mission, and I, and it showed that really cool. Um, the flashbacks flashback. in the eighties. Yeah, in the eighties on a mission, and then you find out that. Hope Van Dyne, miniaturized to the point. So where Janet Van Dyne. Sorry, Janet Van Dyne. Yeah, yeah, miniaturized and became like within molecules. Yeah, to so the, the quantum realm. At yeah, its the core. quantum realm. Um, yeah, I. It's hard to fault this movie in terms of writing and structure. Mm. Everything's set up so well, and they don't sort of like, they follow the Chekhov's gun rule. When whenever they introduce a concept, it pays off. So when yeah. they introduce a con- quantum realm. At the end, Scott has the same issue that um, that Janet and Hank did on the bomb, where he has to shrink down to the quantum realm mm. to get into um, Yellow Jacket's pack to disable it. I there was part of me when I and I remember this now when I first when I watched this for the first time. Yes, I thought when Scott um, Scott went to the the quantum realm quantum realm, who was somehow going to find a fucking Infinity Stone, and I thought, <laughs> and I thought, you know what? If that was the case, I would groan. I'd be like, "Why did you shove it in there?" Like, I feel like if they had done that, it was like there was no need. Yeah, I this feel. You know what? I think one of the reasons I like this film is I'm so sick of this Infinity War stuff. So I like the Infinity Gem stuff and how it railroads so many other films. That mm-hmm. I'm very glad it's not in this one. Yeah, um, and I mean, Janet Van Dyne is apparently going to be in the next film. Really? That's played cool. by. Do we have an actress? Um, she was in Basic Instinct with... Sharon Stone? Yeah, she's been played no by way. Sharon Stone. Yeah. Well, you know what was funny to me is that in this film, there's like family photos of them that you never clearly see. Yeah, her face. So it's clear that they they like well, that's the wanted s- to leave it open to bring her back and didn't want to cast her yet. Yeah, that's the same with like Tony and his mum. You never really see her yeah, until, until Civil War. Wait, and when it's revealed, of course, it, you know, they got murdered, so it, it doesn't matter who plays her. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, uh, finally. Oh, yes. I would love to talk about the comedy in this film. Yes. Uh, and I'm just going to make this claim, and I'm mm-hmm. keen to see what you think. I think, out of all the Marvel films, I think the comedy in this film holds up the best. And I am I'm, yeah, no, I'm including Ragnarok. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I haven't really watched Ragnarok, okay. but I've, I'm oh, pretty okay. sure it will hold up. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I feel like it has held up quite well. I, what I what I noticed is it sort of had that that it really had the Paul Rudd school of comedy where you had sort of awkward interactions. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sort of funny awkward interactions that I felt organic enough. They didn't derail the film like some some comedy comedy sometimes does in this film. And how I felt it did in for Ragnarok, I think mm. it 
there was almost they'd almost chase the comedy bone and go off the rails whereas i think here the comedy just felt a little bit a little bit more natural yeah no and i feel like and i think Wright is such a great comedic actor i mean i yeah, think that's part is. of it something i wanted to bring up mm. there is an easter egg so yes in all of the phase two films yeah there is a, an easter egg which is sort of like a a reference to Empire Strikes Back. Okay, well, I think the one in Cap Civil War is pretty obvious. Which one's that? The one where they lasso giant man's feet and then push him over. Like they did with the... Uh... No, I'm talking about everyone losing their... Like, people losing an arm. It's a reference to that. Oh, okay. Luke losing his arm. So, basically, so in Iron Man 3, Tony cuts off Eldridge Killian's arm. Okay, yes. Near the end. Uh, Thor The Dark World, you get the illusion of Loki cutting off Thor's hand. Yep. Captain America The Winter Soldier. Does Bucky get his arm ripped off? Um, well, it's involved. Bucky did lose his arm, yes. You saw him with, without an arm. Yes. Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, Gamora cuts off her... No, not Gamora. Um, That's right, Gamora's yeah. Nebula, Nebula, Nebula cuts, cuts off her, off her arm, arm yep. Avengers Age of Ultron. Cull, um, sorry, Claw loses his oh, arm. Oh, yes, yep. Um, and then in Ant-Man, um, Yellowjacket loses his arm as one of the first things before he blows up. Oh, yes, interesting. Yes. There you go. Well, another, and uh, Easter egg I'd like to point out yes. is in the scene where uh, Scott Lang uses the Ant-Man suit for the first time in the bathroom, you know how he falls out the window and hits the car? Mm-hmm. That car is driven by an actor called Garrett Morris, mm-hmm. and Garrett Morris played the character of Ant-Man in a <clears throat> in an SNL skit from way back, uh, where they had the Superman's funeral. So he apparently is like the first actor to to play Ant-Man, mm-hmm. even though it was just like for an SNL skit. So it was a tribute. It, he was in it, and it was sort of like a nod to him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's very like it's a it's pretty it's a bit of a deep cut. Mm. <laughs> When we were talking about people's arms. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, I, I, I have managed to put the logic together. Yes. Oh, well, shall we... Uh, shall we I think it's time Stan- to... Is it Stan Watch time? your favourite era. Fucking Stan. Stan, Stan Watch. Where we Goddamn dis- cameos. We, we, yeah, where we discuss Stan's cameos in a film. So, in this one, it wasn't so bad. It yeah, was, it was good. Um, Luis talking about how he got the hot tip to break into Hank Pym's mm. um, house. And it was like a... T- it was no, him. Was it? Was it? Was yeah, it, it was. Or was it the one at the end where he's giving Scott another hot tip? Yeah, it was the one at the end where he's oh, giving okay. Scott another hot yeah, tip. Yeah. So basically, he's telling um, the story and he's talking and saying what everyone's saying when you go to that. Yeah. So basically, it's like a montage of different people talking, and his voice is superimposed on top of them. Yeah. And one of them is a bartender, who of course is Stanley, Stan because he can't not be in a fucking Marvel film. Um, but yeah, look, this cameo. I think is an example of doing it well because it's quick mm. uh, and be, because like it, you actually needed someone like they that role had to be filled by someone so it's Stan whereas a lot the really bad Stanley cameos are where they've deliberately written him in yeah so I think this was a good use of Stan okay do you um, want to talk about the after credits yeah yes. let's talk about the after credits so right, first one so the first mid credits scene uh, Pim shows uh, Hope Van Dyne, a new Wasp prototype suit that she 
um, was creating for her mum. Yes. For, I mean, it's half finished. For Janet Van Dyne. Yeah, for her which, mum, Janet Van Dyne. Which I feel like the fact that it's half finished is like a very easy way for them to be like, oh, we've made a gap if we want to redesign the suit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty cool. But then like, yeah, and then you get Hope saying, about damn time. And I like that... Um, it's like, yeah, we're fucking pushing... You know, yeah, after she's been sidelined the entire film. Yeah, like, this whole film was about a woman who is more capable of being replaced by a man. Yeah. Like, him picking the inexperienced man over... Yeah, yeah I know. Look, and they write is, it well, which is like... He doesn't want to ex- want... He doesn't... He's Hank, expendable, whereas yeah. he doesn't want to risk his daughter. But it did feel yeah. like the capable woman is being sidelined for, yeah. for a bumbling man. It was a bit... <laughs> yeah, it was a bit much. But um, then we've got a post-credit scene, which is Wilson... It's literally... They've done this before. It's literally a grab yes. from Captain Which, America's Civil War. And when Sam Wilson says, I know a guy, he's not refer in the film he's not referring to Ant Man. Yeah, he pre- is. is he? I'm pretty sure he's referring to like Hawkeye. No, no, he knows. Well Yeah, he knows. Anyway, that yeah, it was like a literal just it it was shitty. It was yes. like film a freaking original stinger if you're gonna make this a thing. Don't just give us a like a chunk from another movie. Um something else. Um yeah, I'm trying to think now. Uh, uh, it's, fine. it's fine. It's okay. It's alright. I'm it's trying fine. to think off the top of my head for our next segment. So we've looked at the post. We've looked at the credits. Now we're on to our section, which is yeah. If you like, if this, you like this, read this. I'm trying to think of some Ant Man comics off the top. Of my well, head. I'm, I'm happy to go first. And yeah, I might, do you mind? I'm going to explain to the listener what this segment is. Yeah. So uh, as I've said numerous times on the podcast before. Unfortunately, Disney doesn't do a particularly good job at, when they release these movies, encouraging people to go to the comics. So don't worry, Disney, we've got your back. We're going to recommend you some comics that we think you might like if you happened to like this film. Uh, now, Billy, like you, I'm not a, I'm not a big Ant-Man guy. Uh, in, in terms of the comics, I haven't really mm. read much. I've read more Scott Lang than I have Hank. Okay. Uh, but look, I'm going to go ahead and, for my Marvel pick... Mm-hmm. I am going to uh, recommend Irredeemable Ant-Man. Okay. Uh, so it's Robert Kirkman. The Ant-Man that's not even in this film. Yeah. You, look. Well, like, how many Ant-Man books are there? There's not a whole bunch. Yes. Uh, and this is written by Robert Kirkman, of course, Invincible fame. Um, okay. And I feel like for its time, it was an, it, it was an interesting concept, cause it, uh, which was sort of like, what if a scumbag became a superhero. Because yeah. this was before we did Superior Spider-Man and way before Cap's Secret Empire. So this well, was still a fresh idea. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, Scott Lang started out as a scumbag as well. Really? He stole the original Ant-Man um, outfit, I believe, to help his daughter at the time. In, again, something that they work into this film. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that would be my pick, the irredeemable Ant-Man. Have you got any other picks as well? Yeah, look, I've recommended this before, but I'm going to recommend it again because it's a, it's a good book. Um, the Fix. So this is from Image Comics, illustrated by Steve Lieber and written by everyone's favourite comic writer, Nick Spencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, of course, got a lot of shit for writing Secret Empire. But it's a goofy crime caper about yeah. two crooked cops. And I think it, it's, you know, it's very much a, a goofy comedy uh, crime book. So I think it shares a lot of DNA with Ant-Man, which of course is, you know, a, a heist film, and it's got a strong comedic uh, bones to it as well. Okay. Um, I am going to mention um, the comic book series FF. 
because he was in that. Oh yeah, but written by Matt Fraction with yeah. uh, art by. So the Fantastic Four uh, left the Marvel Universe to do some exploring, um, and Ant Man's I think She Hulk. Uh, and Medusa as well. Medusa and I think She Thing or someone who's playing the role of Thing in yes. a Thing outfit or something. Yes, and it was so it was written by Matt Fraction and mm. illustrated by Mike Aldred. Yes, which is great. Yeah, he's got such great a sort of like off. a 60s sort of poppy vibe to his art. Yeah. Um, another, um, he has done another series, which is called... Fraction or uh, Mike Al- Aldred? Um, no, 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 as in um, Scott Lang. Oh, okay. And it was actually written by uh, Nick Spencer. Oh, yeah. I think that's Ant the most Man. recent Ant-Man yeah, series. Ant-Man, and then it became The Astonishing Ant-Man. Interesting. And I think... I think, like, the initial premise for that series was that he becomes, like, a security consultant for Tony Stark. Yes. Uh, which I, I think is, like, a great premise for the character. But, yeah, um, definitely look up some more um, Scott Lang. I mean, go to your local yeah. comic book store. And, yeah. And I, tell them, look, you want to read more Scott I, Lang. I like that we've just given up and at this point are just like, no, we no, could, no, but no, this, you do it yourself. There's so many. Like, I mean, the, the, the ones well, we've mentioned are great. Yeah, and I think... the. I guess the thing about a character like Ant-Man is a lot of the time it's more that he makes notable appearances in other books. Yeah, in group ra- books. Yeah, rather than... It's not often that he has his own series. And when he does have his own series, it's a limited run. Yeah, usually, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for us this week. Yes. Um, so, um, you can get us on Wushaka yeah. um, and or iTunes. It's basically to Infinity War and beyond. Yeah, and if you could write us a review, we'd be very appreciative. It helps people find the show. You can find us on Geek of Oz on our website or and, Facebook. And where are you on Twitter, Billy? I am Aqualek on Twitter. And I am at Weekly Geek. And we are both at, at Geek of Oz. Yes. All right. See you next week. See you then. <laughs>